Yo, what's up, everyone? This is uh, Jared with the WMT Podcast. Um, today's guest is Anthony O'Shea, singer of the band Continuum. Um, had a great conversation, a little bit about the band. Uh, he is also a, uh, I'd say, a pro-am bodybuilder. He's he's won some competitions, so he's he's, you know, he's definitely not an amateur. I don't know if he's doing another pro level yet. You know, that'd be probably pretty tough to do with the with the schedule that the band keeps and. Uh, and he also does like he does some modeling and shit for Float Brothers and and wherever else. So, pretty much does it all, man. We had a we had a great conversation. Had to cut it a little short uh, because he is a busy man, has prior obligations, had to get to uh, some some music functions. So uh, we get into a little bit of everything here. A little bit of talk of music, of course, because that that's his main his main deal. Uh, then we also you know we we didn't feel like it'd be okay to to go the whole podcast without at, at least uh, mentioning a little bit. Uh, about the Virginia inc- inc- incident and uh, the Klan and the Nazis and, and all that fun stuff as well. Uh, so uh, without further ado, here's Anthony O'Shea. Cool, and just like that, we're live. Anthony O'Shea. Awesome, how you doing? What's up, man? Just chilling, man. Drinking on this Fiji water. Yeah. <laughs> Feeling really, really sophisticated <laughs> right now. Yeah, you got a little bit of a, a, a head cold or something. I do, yes. I apologize yeah. for my vocals or my voice right now, but yeah, we went to Nashville. I said I wasn't going to bring it up. <laughs> <laughs> First place he goes. <laughs> He said we are talking about Nashville. <laughs> it's in Nashville. It's my birthday, so we had a fun time. So now I'm uh, suffering a little bit. Uh, yeah. Um, for for those of you who wouldn't know, uh, continue uh, continue in the band that Anthony sings for. Uh, had a couple shows in Nashville this weekend. It also happened to be his birthday, uh, his birthday weekend. So it was kind of like a. The gig was almost an afterthought. It was an afterthought. <laughs> Just kind of like something we had to go do for a couple hours. Yeah. And then everything else is what was really going on. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what were your thoughts on Nashville, man? What'd you, like, Oh, man, I love Nashville. I know we've like, talked about it before, but just like <clears throat> the hipster vibe that you get there, mm. the diversity of people. You know, people think of Nashville and right away, like I used to think country. But now I think it's kind of it's transforming to more of a eclectic area. Um, and that's what I love about you know I mean life in general is just having those different kind of people. So mm-hmm. to me, I love Nashville. Yeah, honestly. yeah. Well, you know, I was the same way with uh, with Chattanooga yeah. when the first time before we ever went to Chattanooga, it was I, th- I thought it was just a shithole filled with rednecks and i remember i remember just even pulling in there it's almost like a like a bowl in a valley you know in the in the hills of tennessee and like just the downtown area was really cool man i was impressed with uh yeah with chattanooga um but uh but yeah man so so we had a good time it was a quick run up there and back uh 
any any specifics you want to touch on? Any uh, specific <laughs> moments? Yeah. Any funny stories? Yeah, let's just like keep it before six p.m. on both <laughs> days. No, it was just like I mean, just being able to whenever we do get to get out of town as a band, it's just always nice to see something different, and especially living in a small area like Destin, Florida, um, you don't really get to. I guess see that kind of culture a lot. So yeah. it's just it's just awesome to leave and you know what I mean feel that and I don't know if, if anyone has told you, but now everyone's talking about moving to Nashville and I'm like, okay, yeah, well, this we're is... gonna have that conversation <laughs> later. Uh yeah. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. We'll have that off the air. Yeah, Jess has already like tried to tell me to quit booking gigs and shit. And I'm like, oh, oh my god. Hold up. Yeah. yeah, you know, that's that's something that we need to talk about as yeah. a, as as a group, I know I that's cool. I mean, you guys can live wherever you want, but that would definitely um, it's definitely a conversation. To, yeah, to have elsewhere. <laughs> but but yes, I have heard that man. Um, it, I man, you guys, I'd be down with you guys living wherever you want to, whatever makes you happy for sure. Um, so but um but yeah, man. Uh, part part of the part of the reason, and and honestly, one of the one of the reasons I wanted to have you as my first guest on this, and kind of what we're doing here, uh, the title, whatever it means to you, or Wimpty. Um, basically just want to have people who are doing, you know, things on their own terms and really, and doing it at high levels, man. And, uh, you and I, we've known each other very, very well for three years, you know, mm. um, and out of people who do, who are doing what they want to be doing and doing it at the highest levels, uh, man, I couldn't find a better example of you to get on here, man. So I kind of wanted to talk a little bit about that too. Um, and just, you know, I'm sure... Uh, that if it's been inspiring to me, that it's going to be inspiring to others as well. Uh, from everything, though, man, not just from uh, not just from the, the way uh, your work ethic in the band, and and even you know, I know two years ago you took on this this fitness journey, yeah. uh, man. So let's just let's talk about that, man. How'd that yeah. start? How did you get started um, with any of it, man? If you want to talk about how you got started in music, if you want to talk how you got started into fitness, yeah. Um, well. Um, I mean, in general, with like just like the the differences of like the fitness and music and even education, you know, mm -hmm. coming from um, school right before I moved here, I've always pushed myself to that limit to be able to conquer something. And I always get bored. I've always been that person that wants to learn something, then I'll learn it, and then I'll get bored about it, and then you know move on to the next thing, the next thing. So, I mean, really. Um, Everything, I think, started with the music. The music is what I wanted to do first. I grew up in church, singing um, in church. And then uh, sixth grade, I was 11 years old. And um, my mom actually forced me to go into choir. And it was actually a magnet school. I was going to a middle school, so it was fine arts. So you had to do <coughs> something. So it was either I did band, acting, singing. And I think I wanted to, I'm pretty sure I wanted to do drama. And uh, she was like, no, you, I mean, she never saw me act. She, she heard me sing. She used to do, we used to do talent shows when I was uh, younger. She used to make my brothers and all of our friends because we lived in apartment complex. So it was a lot of, you know, kids there. So we would do the talent shows. And I think that's, we, we just got done talking about this. That's where she figured out, or they all figured out that I could sing because they were singing, my brothers were singing Shy. And if I, yeah, jamming out. <laughs> my brother, my other brother, I don't know why my mom thought she, he was, it was the coolest thing that he sea walked. She didn't know it was the Crip Walk. But he used to <laughs> see why she used to tell people, my son can dance. And he would start doing the grip walk. And we were like, no, no, no. Probably not the best thing to tell people, especially at church. But, uh, but um, 
So I I went up there and I think I sang like Lion King. That's the first thing I ever remember singing. I just can't wait to be king. And that was when everyone was just like, where did that come from? But yeah. I used to love watching Disney too growing up. And there's like, so like a lot of videos of me watching just like glued to the television screen. And I used to I guess sing a lot. The sing the words to like Little Mermaid and Jungle mm-hmm. Book, um, Lion King. So. Um, sixth grade, she, you know, I had to go into choir and, um, no, did you, did you know you could sing? I did not, I did not think about it like everyone else did. I didn't know I could sing at all. And in sixth grade, when, when, you know, I, I, the first few weeks, it's it's really crazy. The teacher did an audition to sing a song and it was like 10 of the kids made it and 10 kids didn't make it. And I was one of the kids that didn't make it to be able to sing. And, um, that discouraged me so much, and I was just like, I cannot, I do not know what you're talking about. Like, I can't sing. So, uh, uh, so pretty much a month goes by, um, and that teacher actually ended up leaving the school because he got a better job offer somewhere else. <clears throat> what was his name? You want to give him a shout out? Um, <laughs> Say, no, hey, no, uh, yeah, no. <laughs> no, but uh, the teacher that came in, her name uh, was actually Miss Pispitos at the time, and she's actually my inspiration. She actually was the first one that was just like, you don't understand how incredible you are. And then I started seeing it from kids, and kids would tell their parents, come listen to him. I would sing, like, after shows, They would someone would want me to sing to their parents, whatever. Then I was starting to be like, mm, getting a little special <laughs> treatment out of all the kids. I think I might be a little better than I think. So I think by seventh grade, I knew that... I was probably better than the average person at, you know, being able to sing. Um, and from there, just went on for me singing in choir. Um, did it throughout high school. Um, continued throughout college. Um, had the jazz choir, um, or was in the jazz choir throughout college. So music never left, but I never thought about music seriously until I came to this area, as in joining a band. I've always, I've always thought about the idea but it was never a for sure I'm going to be in a band and I'm going to be, you know, like that's what what my career, that's what I want it to be. So um, moving here definitely expanded that. Um, and as, as well as honestly, the, the body, everything kind of was around the music. The bodybuilding, just wanted to start doing that just because I started wanting, to, I wanted to look better on stage, wanted to feel better as well. Um, and it's it's silly, but running to me is like it used to like make my voice you know feel more I guess like warmed up and everything so I actually used exercise as a way to help um so yeah I don't want to go in too much in depth but all that all the stuff that I've done pretty much is is just been because I, I want to make myself better well, and just to give uh, to give outsider perspective on this just because Anthony is a, a humble person um I, I mean, as far as as people that I've met, I do a lot of work with a lot of musicians, and as far as as far as vocalists go, it it doesn't get better. But also, on on another level, when Anthony really started getting into bodybuilding, within a year you won your first competition. Mm-hmm. So this isn't like this isn't just like amateur shit we're talking here. This is you know within a year you had your your body into enough shape to go to Tallahassee and win a state bodybuilding competition, correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah you got to, I mean, and that's that's the whole thing of, like, you know, I got to, 
I want to be the best. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if, if I'm going to do it, then I'm going to do it with all I've got because I know I have the capability. And, and that's something genetically that I feel like my body, I mean, we've talked about it. You know, genetically, mm-hmm. I just already have a body that can can shape that way. So when I realized that, you know, after six or seven months that my mm-hmm. body was transforming faster than a lot of people's bodies, I was just like, well, here we go. (laughs) This is going to be something else. So the physique competition, you know, a a coach came up to me and said, you know, you have what it takes, and don't tell me that because then I'm going to think I have what it takes. And I was just like, okay, here we go. So that was was all just like, yeah, pure motivation to know. If if you know you can do it and if you know you have the ability to do it, why are you not going to do it? <clears throat> Absolutely, especially if it's something that you that you want to do. Yeah, that you're into, um, and, and you know that makes that makes a lot of sense too. Now going back a little bit on that, did you? I know you said that you would you would sing like your mom made you do choir, and did you sing in college as well? Yes, uh, throughout um, college, um, like I said, the jazz choir was what I was in a lot. Um, I was in like men's choir as well. Um, did talent shows, all the talent shows mm-hmm. throughout college. Um, and yeah, so I, I still continued singing, but never never had a band. You know, there wasn't it was a, a big town at all. It was a small college town, pretty much. Mm-hmm. So um, there weren't too many places to play if you even wanted a gig. But still continued to do the music. Like I don't think music ever stopped. And I was actually a vocal performance major for uh, for a year um, in college, and that was actually all classical training, and mm-hmm. that. That helped a lot. I tell everyone to do classical. Do at least one year of classical training or vocal lessons or something like that just because you learn your control and everything. And you can really listen when you're doing those fundamental, those easy things that you mm-hmm. think are easy are really, really important at the end. Yeah. Well, I know uh, my, my brother went to school on a, on a vocal scholarship, and they made him take, uh, even though like his big project was show choir and, and like the summer production and all that stuff, whatever the play was, they made him take madrigals. Which is mm. kind of, I think, what you're getting at. Kind of your more classical mm. style of music, to where you're gonna, where you're gonna learn a lot of that, a lot of that as well. Um, it's and and it's also uh, a, a quick story on my end here. I remember the first time. It's there. There aren't very many people that I can remember the first time I met them or the first time I saw them. And I know I've told you the story before, mm. but I'm gonna repeat it for the, for the listeners. Uh, prior to me actually going and working in the in the music industry full time, I bartended all the way through college. Uh, and, you know, where I really decided I was going to do it, the music thing was when I just happened to start bartending at a music venue, uh, a local one called Funky Blue Shack. I remember one night an open mic, uh, a mutual friend of ours, uh, she came in there just running shit. <laughs> yeah. Like, she she thought, like, she came in there, and it was her, it turned into her open mic night. I didn't give a shit. I was the bartender, so I was like, "Okay, fuck, let's let's do it." Like, even the host was kind of like, "Sure." Like, I think she signed up like six different people, telling them exactly what they were gonna do. And uh, this happened to be one of one of your one of your friends, who's now a friend of mine as yeah. well. Can't say can't say a bad word about her. Um, but uh, but I remember like this girl gets up and is doing the spoken word thing, and you're just kind of standing there, just you know maybe a little awkwardly because you were on stage. Yeah, you know, and I don't I don't you probably weren't used to being on oh, stage. Oh no, not at all. I think you were new to the area as well too. Yeah. You'd been here a couple months. Yeah. you know these are probably the first people you're meeting. Yeah, <laughs> they were they were putting you in these awkward ass situations. So I'm like, oh man, this poor guy, what the fuck is he doing up there? <laughs> so you're just standing there. So this girl's doing the spoken word thing, and then all of a sudden, Anthony just 
bust out and like everyone in the room just kind of starts looking at each other like okay this just went from really weird to awkwardly amazing you yeah. know and I, I i actually i remember that and then it just uh, just so happened you know as as things go you know a year and a half later yeah you're doing you're trying to do the band thing full time and i'm trying to do the the, the uh, business side of it full time and that's kind of how that happened but yeah. i just i just remember like that one like that's my first memory, and you know, it always will be, just being like, what the fuck? Man. Yeah. Um, Me standing on stage awkwardly as well. <laughs> well, yeah, but I, yeah, that wasn't your fault. I mean, I think everyone in that room was either sitting or standing awkwardly as to whatever... Oh man, I think about my performance, like me performing uh, four years ago. Oh mm. gosh, like I don't want to look at videos of me performing four years ago, just because all I was in was choir growing up. Yeah. So you know, choir, you just stand up straight and you're yeah, singing. You, you don't, you're not, su- yeah, you're not. Su- you can't move your arms. You can't move your body. Mm. So you know, that's the form that I was used to. And you're focused you, on the conductor as well. You yeah, know, if yeah. you are, if you do move your head around, you pretty much follow the line of the audience and you yeah, know, move it around. Exactly, and and even talent shows, I remember just standing in one spot. So gosh, like I'm, I'm in four. I mean, we've been doing it for you know four and a half years now. So of course, four and a half years of training to move around a little bit. I'm still learning. That's the thing. Yeah. Is it's I don't know what it, it's like ten years. In order to master something, it takes ten years to master. Oh, well, I think they say like ten thousand hours. Ten thousand hours. Isn't that, the, isn't that the rule? You Google that, Shane. They, I think the the law of mastery. Yeah. Is something like, uh, I guess just yeah, the, the law of mastering something is I think ten thousand hours is what they Gosh. say. But damn it, I'll bet you've been on stage pretty close to ten thousand well, hours you know, now. But four hours a night, sometimes twice a day. Yeah. You know, six sometimes seven days a week. Yeah. Uh, I wonder how many hours. Honestly. Yeah. It's been a lot. Uh, yeah, we should probably try to figure. Well, let's say, well, if if you're about to have your thousandth show, and you're and on stage three, three to four hours, yeah, yeah, well, you're Just really average performing. Like the yeah. two in the, you so know. there's three thousand hours. That's still a See, lot. That's a lot. That's still a lot, man. Um, three thousand hours. Yeah. Uh, no, but this guy says it's all bullshit. There's a ten thousand hour rule. And this guy's like, no, you just you just either have it or you don't. <laughs> well, that's a little harsh, though. I mean, no, I think someone yeah. can be trained. <laughs> that's not a that's that's not an accurate article either. Yeah, this is... uh, that's like saying that that practicing something is that Tim Ferriss. No, this... Okay, I th- I just saw, I thought I saw a picture of him because I know that he'd probably disagree with that. Um. Yeah, I'd say it's probably somewhere in the middle. I'd say there's some truth to that as well. Yeah, I mean, nothing is just as solid as that, you know, to to be mastering something. Uh, but you, but yeah, that's funny that you talk about moving moving on stage too, because uh, for for a lot of you that don't know, Continuum, the band that Anthony plays in, had the opportunity to play at Hangout Fest. Now, the stage at Hangout Fest is probably you uh, unbelievably huge. Yeah. I mean, you're talking easily 100 feet wide, yeah. if not 120 feet wide, by 80 feet deep. <laughs> yeah. Unbelievably huge stage. Nothing even close. You guys have, I don't, I don't think the band had played on a stage half that size. No, no. And, uh, <laughs> no. and so all of a sudden I have all this room now, and I, I remember telling Anthony, like, hey, man, the guys, told, like, the guys who are doing the show who, who helped us get this gig... Like they they said you got to move around a little bit, so I remember watching Anthony's uh, 
the first couple songs there was very light very light movement but then he was like i'm gonna get into it but it was like it was almost like this version this version of like almost like duck stepping around on stage it's so hard to like i mean you don't ever do that and then it's like and it's continuum like you know like we're not a hard metal heavy metal so it's just like the type of music that we play it's like how how am I supposed to do that to cover up? Like, how am I supposed to be, like, <laughs> skipping around. around the stage? Like, I mean, it, it was just that style of music was just like, this is going to be really, really difficult to get into. Yeah. Especially, and we had, uh, at the time, just to add the sound, because the stage, again, is so huge and continuum. We're all, we're just like, a, at the time, almost a folk, almost a folky kind of band. Um, and, like, the we didn't have any bass, so we had to grab a guy, um, and he actually played the bass for us for actually the competition that we were in, but for the actual show as well. And it was like, it, everything was just so weird. The hangout was so weird. Just getting ready for a big show on a big stage with a big sound, and everything was big. And I was like, but we're playing a Beauchamp's play. We're playing in a restaurant, and we're just playing the people that are clogging around and everything. But... No. Yeah, in order we didn't we didn't know if that the band was going to get it till a week before. So it is true you're playing the main stage at Hangout, and in order to do that, I had to cancel a date at McGuire's mm-hmm. and a date at Beauchamp's. Yeah, to yeah. play the main stage at Hangout. At the hangout. And and just just to give a little bit of idea of how bizarre it was uh, in the industry, it's pretty well known that as far as as the way festivals take care of their artists, Hangout Fest is known every everyone in the industry that I spoke to. Uh, backstage, it's known to be the best. Like, no one takes care of, of people, their artists, all that stuff like a hangout does. So, I mean, you you walk backstage, you get off the stage, and you walk back there, you go whatever you want. Like, I, I remember the launch was crab legs that were already, like, sawed open, so you could just, like, scoop them out, you know, uh, just an insane amount of food. Uh, a refrigerator just full of, like, you know, good stuff, like chlorophyll water and and whatever, and then a bar, which is whatever you want, your own private beach for the, for artists. Uh, the lady who was driving us around, finally I, I became friends with her because I was running all over the place. Her name was Corita. <laughs> I started talking to Corita, and I was like, is this what you do? Like, Do you go to, to festivals? She's like, yeah, but I normally perform. And I said, you normally perform? And she said, yeah, I sing in the Alabama Shakes. I'm one of their background singers. And I was like, get the fuck out of here. I was like, so the, 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 one of the background singers for Alabama Shakes is driving me around right now, like just, and I'm directing her where I need to go and what I need to do. Like, what the fuck is going on? And I said, so wait a second. I said, so you get off, you get off, you're, you're driving artists around all day. I was like, and then when it's stage time, what happened? She said, I drove this golf cart to wardrobe, got on wardrobe. Walked out on stage, sang, got out of wardrobe, started driving golf cart again. <laughs> and oh I was just gosh. like, wow. But I think the reason that works that works that way, especially with her, is because the Alabama Shakes are from, uh, you know, not too far away from there. Oh, so okay, so yeah. it probably makes sense. She was probably close to home. She probably knew that, you know, most artists who go to play Hangout probably want to hang out there for a few days if they can. Because yeah. you, really, you really get treated really well. Um, and, uh, I mean, what, what were your moments? Did you have any cool little... Like, like, just really oh, surreal moments. Uh, oh, yeah. well, well, I mean, like you said, like, just being backstage, <laughs> you know, you sing all these artists, um, and, 
You know, it's funny that you when we were walking around just like with everyone else when we weren't backstage mm-hmm. and uh, all of the artists have the wristband and you can tell that they're an artist. So there would be people that got excited because they saw that we had a wristband, an artist wristband on. So they would run <laughs> up and they'd be like, oh my gosh, what band are you? And I'm like, uh, Continuum. And they're like, Oh, <laughs> you could always like every single one of them. You could tell they're just like we have no idea who that is. He's so disappointed. But, yeah, <laughs> but um, but so yeah, just like being backstage and being able to watch the artists that close up. Um, again, just even helped with that with like stage presence mm-hmm. and everything. Just watching what they were doing. Um, super close. I think my favorite. I always talk about Ellie Golding just because I love Ellie Golding in yeah. general. So, um, just being able to hear her and watch her, you know, up up close was uh more of a personal moment i guess for me but but yeah in general um the most surreal thing was playing at the hangout like you're playing at a festival that ellie golding is playing at that the weekend the weekend just played on the stage that we performed on you know the night prior so it was just like that factor was was crazy to me. Yeah, Lenny Kravitz played the same stage that you guys did like three hours after you guys got off. Yeah, yeah, it was, yeah. So, like, yeah, that's just weird. Yeah, it's, about. it's really <laughs> weird. Uh, I, and I remember when I got there to, to get the band registered, uh, you know, that give you your artist wristbands. And, and most, you know, uh, especially some of the festivals that we've been to, uh, I, won't, I won't name them out, but one particular one in Chattanooga, it was like, man, they take really shit care of artists oh, here. Oh, gosh. Like, we yes. went from Hangout Fest to playing this festival in Chattanooga. That was a big fucking festival. Yeah. They were, I mean, there were probably 15,000 people yeah. at the festival. It was big. Uh, and, but the thing is, like, so I get I get registered at Hangout Fest. They give us these artist bands. And no one explains to me the power of this artist band. No one tells me what all this includes. So it's Thursday night, the pre-party, like, uh, Group Love, uh, Moon Taxi was doing their Rage Against the Machine set. And Lil Dicky was playing. So I was like, okay, well, let's go figure out how this all works. So I'm just walking through, like, the street on this back area, and this guy's sitting in this gate behind the stage that, that Lil Dicky's about to come on. And I was just like, what's up, man? He was like, coming in? I was like, huh? And he's like, you coming in? I was like, fuck yeah, I'm coming in. So I just show him. He just scans my armband, and I'm backstage. I'm like, yeah. okay, so this is, this is kind of cool. So I look at the side stage. And there's just a, a ramp, and there's a guy at the ramp, and I walk up to him, and he's like, just gives me the go-ahead. I'm like, okay. And before I know it, I'm on the stage. I am side stage. Like, people in the crowd are probably wondering, like, who's that guy over there <laughs> side stage? But I'm just standing there, and, like, uh, I just watched an interview with, with Group Love's manager, and, and holy shit, he was standing right next to me watching Group Love from the side stage, and it was, it was just an unreal just it didn't feel it didn't feel real. Yeah, it felt like this was all fake. Like yeah. this was all made up. Um, but yeah, dude, what a cool what a cool experience, man. Yeah, that was, was for sure. Uh, before before Continuum went on stage, they all they all had their nerves going a little bit. I was like, "What do y'all need? What do y'all want?" They were like, "Tequila." I said, "All right, I'll be right back." So I go to, I go back and I was like, "I need a lot of tequila." And the the girl gets two pint glasses out. And just fills them both with tequila and a bunch of lime. She's like, here you go. And it's Sunday at 11 o'clock. And like, we get there and the stage manager's like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, like, don't act like you haven't seen this before. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, tequila's where it's at. It heals everything. <laughs> heals everything. Is that a new... Okay, now with tequila, is that a new thing with you? Oh, man. Okay, so... <laughs> so college days... Tequila was my, that was my first, like, that's all I drank forever. Um, it being college and being in a fraternity, 
uh, if you can imagine how much tequila I consumed, I got so sick off of it so many times <laughs> that I was just like, you know what? I'm through with it. I have to throw it away. So I stopped drinking tequila for the longest time. And then we went to Mexico. <laughs> In Mexico, like that whole trip, um, continuum, uh, you know, the band went on a, on a wedding, um, to a wedding for all the viewers. Um, but those four days or three days there was was unbelievable first of all because again that was an experience so we've never been in you know being able to go to another country to perform for somebody um and then it was uh what is it all all inclusive yes and that's where we went wrong so i mean being yeah being in Cozumel you know it was we had to get through that wedding and then after the wedding we even let's not even lie before the wedding we before the wedding we got we got wild as well but um yeah, lots of tequilas drank, and then after that, it just—I was just like, "I've missed you so much." <laughs> <laughs> so it's, yeah, <clears throat> so it's been since then, really. Uh, a, a funny side story on that too is it was we were there to perform at a wedding, and they expected us to be at their rehearsal dinner, and we got to the resort at around one, and I think dinner was at five, is what time we needed to be there. So we all kind of went our own ways, and I looked at Anthony and Caleb, I said, "Hey, dudes, like just." <laughs> Let's make it through this rehearsal dinner, and then you, you can do whatever you like. Just please don't show up to the rehearsal dinner fucked up. like Because they're, they're just throwing free booze at you all over the place. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> An hour in, Anthony sends me a video message of Caleb in a phone party. <laughs> just, just going to town. But I was like, oh, no. But mind you, so we get into our hotel room, and we put our, our luggage down. Not even... 10 seconds go by and we hear and we're like what is that so we go to our back window and we're like oh shit like we have a phone party right outside of our window so we open up the window and we're like playing around jamming to the music and we were like what are we doing up here we need to be down there so we like went straight down there didn't unpack didn't do shit just put our stuff down in the hotel room well, yeah, I went to this phone party and uh, so yeah, go ahead. And go An- ahead. Anthony was relatively responsible. Yeah, probably just had a couple of drinks. I don't yeah. think you were drinking much at the time either, because I think you were getting close to like competition or getting well, at least prepping for it. Well, right? no, no, I was just I. You told us not to drink that much, so I was like, we are. I'm not fucking up. So, and Caleb is uh, is one of the sweetest guys I I ever know. Uh, Caleb plays drums for the band Continuum. He didn't listen to me for shit. So we're at this rehearsal dinner. And, I mean, these are the type of people who have the money to fly you out to Mexico to play at their wedding. Oh, yeah. You know? So I didn't, I didn't, want, I didn't want to fuck around. Well, about, like, oh, we're almost through dinner. And it's just getting worse and worse and worse. And I'm like, just see, okay, he hadn't said any really stupid shit yet. Well... Next thing, he falls out of his fucking chair at the table. And I was like, we're going. So I grab his ass, throw him on a golf cart, deliver him to his room. Oh, my gosh. It was, that was a good, yeah, that was a good night. But I was was worried for him. As his friend that was, like, pretty much there with him the whole day, I was just like, oh, no. But no, he was was good. Drummers, there you go. Dude, he is kind of like Garth. Yeah, from Wayne's World, you yeah. know, like really kind of quiet. Yeah. You know, when he does when he does say something, a lot of times it is introspective. Yeah, and 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 relative to the conversation, but also just kind of does whatever the hell he wants. Yeah. To. And, you, and it's really tough too because 
You know, you can't really, you can't get too angry about it. No, no, Caleb is like, <laughs> he, it's funny because like he's the most chill guy. Like I can't be upset at Caleb ever. I think, and, and he does Caleb's dumb shit, and I like, want to be mad at him. Yeah, but. you think about it, and you know, like me and. Me and Jess have had our, like, I know we've been annoyed at each other, you know, in the past, guitar with the other guitarists, you know, I know we would, we, we were annoyed with each other, but, like, for some reason, Caleb is just so in the background, and no matter what he does, even if he did end up throwing a rock at me or something during a gig or something, I wouldn't be upset at him, like, it's just Caleb, it's just a drummer, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so, uh, so man, what's your, uh, while we were in Nashville, we had some, uh, you know, just kind of switching, switching gears here, not to talk too much about the band. We could share band stories for five hours. We could sit here. And, yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, but, uh, man, we had some wild shit happen, uh, d- like, during Nashville, just, just in our country, and I think it'd be probably, you know, we don't, we don't want to dive too much into politics on this show. That's not what this is for, but I, I think if we didn't at least mention it, It'd probably be a bad thing, man. Mm-hmm. I was kind of kind of wondering what what your thoughts are as, as far as the all of the things that have taken place with the uh, with the white supremacy groups over over in Virginia and all the backlash. Have you been following any of that? Um, or, like, are you familiar? Yeah, I, mean, I think everyone kind of knows. But. Yeah, yeah, I've been following. Uh, not really following it, but but yeah, I mean it's all over. You can't miss it if yeah. you're on social media. I've I've seen what's going on, and now I guess you know Trump did the whole finally came out about it and is against the whole um it took him a while it took him a little longer than i guess some people wanted for him to mm-hmm. come out and um talk against what was going on with the supremacy but um man it's just it's crazy because it's an issue that's been going on for so long and it's just like this is another media has created an outlet for people to see it happening all the time this is something that's been happening obviously we know for decades and and it's still in a sense is getting i guess better than it was you know back then in those days but and now i feel like it's at a constant just uh, at a still point again and it's going to take a little time i think the millennial generation it is becoming more open. People are becoming more open to culture and everything. Mm. And I think that the problem will eventually probably be resolved, you know. But, like, it, this is just another moment that I see it's going on and it's so sad, you know. Yeah. And it's like, and, and especially coming from the West Coast and moving to the South, I never realized racism existed and stuff like that existed, really. Like, I was almost naive to the point because... Back home, you don't have that. You don't have what you have over here in the South. It's insane. Completely different. Makes me even, like, you know, and that's the only thing about, you know, moving to Nashville. Because Nashville is almost, it's still in the vicinity of, like, all of, of what's going on. Like, it's still, you know, it's, oh, it's, it's the still South. south. It's, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so, like, and I'm saying, like, even Nashville, though, like, being a big city, I still feel like a lot of people, even though it's open and the culture is so eclectic and everything, I still feel like the minds of a lot of people there are still closed-minded. Yeah. So, just in general, just like being in the South, it's it's just crazy. Like, it's, it's eye-opening to me and it's becoming more eye-opening seeing stuff like this happening, you know, in Virginia, that it's really not going away. It might progress small in small percentages, but the problem... It still exists, you know. It's 
Well, I'd have to say the election of this particular president probably has fueled that as well. It may, may given people the courage to maybe to to come out like that and 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 to put that on public display. Like when I was younger, I never I never thought that I would see people in public with sheets on their head. Yeah. And and with Nazi symbols on their arm. Like I thought that was a thing of the past. Yeah. You know, and mm-hmm. like that's when you're studying it in school, when you learn what a fucking Nazi is and, yeah. and you learn what the Klan was, you know, and in like middle school or something. And then then you see that. And man, honestly, the reason I kind of wanted your take on that because for for me as as a as a white male, I'm not necessarily concerned for my safety from from these people, you know what I'm saying? They just disgust me. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. just disgusting to me. And I wanted, to, you know, I'd like to do things to try to combat that. But as someone who is who's mixed race, as yourself, I was wondering is there is there a different set of feelings for that? Uh, Other than I mean, just disgust. You it's know? it's disgust, but it's like so growing up. Uh, the I guess the Caucasian side, white side of my family, was actually racist. Uh, my mom is from Kentucky. So they, I don't know a lot of the white side of my family because of the racism. And it's crazy because social media, my cousins, a lot of my cousins, I, they hit us up when we were all grown up. Because again, like I said, their parents didn't want them knowing about, you know, their cousins that were, you know, half black. Mm. But of course, them being younger, they're in a generation where that doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. So even in Kentucky, so even most in, of them. Even in Kentucky, yeah. yeah, for yeah, for most of them. So. They ended up finding us. So so I'm used to racism just growing up and just mm. knowing that, you know, like there's a side of my family that doesn't even want to know me because of it. That it's just almost like, I mean, it's, you know, like what else can I, there's no other emotions that I can really have than, I guess you can say disgust, but more so of just not shocking that this is happening. And it's just one of those mm. things where you just have to, it's it's hard because like I'm not living in these areas that that intensity is happening, and I'm sure if I was in those areas, maybe things would be different. But I feel like I have to stay positive, and I have to keep yeah. on moving on, and I can't let that stuff dwell on my thought process throughout the day. You know, because it's it's just something that is just there, and people are ignorant, and it's gonna happen. So, yeah. what can I do? It's, you know, but. But, you know, having a voice at some point, and that's what I'm saying, if I was in those moments and maybe if I saw what was going on more directly and not just on social media, I would have a, a bigger take on it and, yeah. you know, might, you know, voice my opinion more, but... Do you think, uh, just not, there's there's no what way of playing devil's advocate on this, but just to think about it in other ways, do you think racism exists on all sides? Do you think, uh... You know, do you think black people can be called racist? Oh, for sure. Racism exists. And it's even... Because I think it's, it's dangerous not to talk about that either. I mean, not not justifying fucking anything. Yeah. But I think I think Mexican people can be racist towards Jewish people. Yeah. I think black people can be racist towards white. I don't think it's fair just to pretend like it, it like it is from one side, even though no. whatever is disgusting. Like you you'd say You've you've probably witnessed a lot of a lot of it coming from the other side as well. Correct? Oh, for sure, yeah, on yeah. both sides, and and that yeah, I um, mean, I've been as much as you know that's happened, and that's more deep because it's family. Mm. 
But, oh gosh, so many friends calling me, you know, cracker or something. Yeah. You know, all the white terms, especially back home, because it's so, like I said, back home it was just so much more diverse than the South. So yeah. had a lot of Hispanics, a lot of black people, and a lot of white people. You had all of the, you just had a mixture of culture. So, um, yeah, both sides. And, and that's and that gets gets me upset sometimes, too, is like seeing how certain races get so loud on social media and so like oh this is fucked up that they did this to to this person but you never see that person getting that loud when it happens to the opposite race or when Mm -hmm. it happens to somebody that's not in their kind of culture i guess and it's just like if you're gonna be it just shows like you're you're representing like you don't care as much about one side as you do the other. You know what I mean? And it's kind of almost like that's where the black power comes in or the white power mm. comes in. And that's the problem, I think, is that there shouldn't be any kind of black power or white power. Like, yeah. we got to stick. Like, we're, color is shit. I've met so many yeah. people in this world. I mean, we know this. It's, it's obvious. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying, the ignorance of people, because... People are people, and people will act the way that they're going to act, black, white, Mexican, you know, try, like, it's just how people are. So it's just like, you're you're grabbing a color. Well, we've had that conversation to, to, uh, before how, how we think, uh, I think we both agreed on this, how how race isn't even real. Yeah. It's a, it's made up. Yes. It's a, it's, there's nothing, there's nothing tangible about it. Uh, you know, it's, it's. It's man-made. It's created by our by shit that we just came up with. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's just ridiculous. It's a color. It's a pigment. <laughs> you know, it's a pigment of skin. It's it's um, insane. And it's it's really it's it's man. It's unfortunate. Uh, just just seeing that what what how how it's all happening. But it's also unfortunate that there's someone that's pretty much the leader of the free world right now you, that doesn't really even want to discuss that it's happening yeah you know? so it's crazy man it's did you crazy. see did you watch i didn't even watch his his whole um apart condemning no, the he, no yeah he did it twice he did well i mean not twice he half as bullshit did it first time on saturday then he said that there was hate coming from all sides. all sides yeah and then he and then it took him two days to actually come out and go yeah, Nazis are bad. <laughs> oh, and, and, gosh. And, and that's the whole thing. So there's... Uh, and I was trying to look it up, but I can't find this uh, specific publication. But it, it is, it's the neo-Nazis. It, it's the guys who basically were putting this thing on. And uh, they said, because he did not come out and, and condemn us, we're going to take that as a win. Or take it as a... Uh, yeah, it's okay. Do, I saw I saw that too. The only one, the only praise that came from his speech from any publication was the neo-Nazi movement. Yeah. Who said basically was like, well, that that yeah. went better than it could have. Yeah, <laughs> oh know? gosh. That's basically what Thanks. is what his statement said in so much like. Yeah. You know, uh, it's just man, what uh, I, I heard it somewhere. I, I I forget where to attribute it to, but. In so many words, it's it's very very dangerous. A lot of people just assume that all Trumps, all people that support Trump are racist, and I think that's dangerous. I think that's a dangerous thing to assume. Yeah. However, it's very safe to assume that all racists are Trump supporters. 
So so you get what I'm saying. So you can't call you can't call all uh, all white Trump supporters racist, but you can call all white racist Trump supporters all if that white, makes sense. All white. Yeah, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, or just, and these white nationalists. I mean, that's that's really what it is. Uh, <laughs> that's fucking shit, dude. <laughs> you see, you see. Okay, number one, the pictures of these guys are great. They're they're hilarious. Um, have you seen where they're identifying all of them as well? Uh uh-uh. uh There yeah. There's this this guy put uh put this thing out. His name's something like you know you're a racist or something or if you're yeah, a racist. I, yeah, I posted yeah. Yeah he. Yes you're a racist. Yeah yes you're a racist <laughs> is his name, and he's got a ton of followers. So he posted all their pictures and said let's identify these people. So all these all these white nationalists that showed up to this thing. Yeah. They're getting their names. They're putting their names out, blasting their names. Their employers. Yeah, this angry young man is Peter Savenchevic. Oh. A student at oh, wow. UN Nevada Arena. Look at his face. Dang. So so they're identifying these people. Here's right-wing YouTuber Joey Salads. What a name. With a with a big fat swastika on his arm. Yeah. Look at that mustache. Wow. Millennial Matt. Yeah, he looks scary. He looks like Hitler, actually. Just see, it, it, isn't it, it isn't it hard to say though that you wouldn't want to see crazy. these people like not on Earth anymore? Is that tough? Like, do you feel that level of hatred toward them? Like you like because it was. I mean, killing Nazis was a pretty cool thing. Like yeah. every time I watch a movie like Inglorious Bastards or something like that where they're blowing the shit out of Nazis, like I'm down. Yeah. <laughs> like like so is it is it. Is it unfair to kind of hope that these people would fucking get killed? Um, is that is that okay to yeah. is that okay to wish on someone? Yeah, but then, then you watch a, a movie like you know American History X and you're like, damn Edward Norton. <laughs> like, yeah. Like you turn around, I didn't want you to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> <Like a> Nazi. <laughs> like, it's just like I mean I just don't uh, I obviously don't wish wish death upon anyone. I wish that they somehow some way get that that change of mind i mean i know that's silly to say but i mean um you know there's just evil people out there and i believe in karma and i think they'll get what they'll get and you know that's really all you can i guess think about it i wouldn't want to wish death upon them though i'd be okay if they died (laughs) (laughs) i'd be okay with it i don't know if i could ever shoot someone if I but I mean if I was in that situation and I saw it going on and I saw them getting violent and I saw them run over a, a crowd full of peaceful protesters I'd probably be okay I'd probably be okay to unload a, a clip yeah I'd probably be okay with it well it's just, well, it's just <laughs> that would there be a complete outrage if it was these peaceful protesters running a car into a bunch of Nazis do you think that yeah think that yeah that's true that too I'd probably cheer big. I'd probably cheer that on yeah you'd probably cheer it on they wouldn't yeah. like, what the fuck. Yeah. yeah. But but I also think there's there's an evil on one side. I mean I you know? I would definitely cheer. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, I mean it's man, it's just so crazy. Just even going back to how divisive it, especially in the South, man. When I I moved my father was military and I lived all over the place and I moved to Crestview, Florida, which is about as south as you can get. You're basically in South Alabama. Yeah. Um, my father moved me there in eighth grade, 
and I went out to the football team. This is from, I lived in Washington, D.C., um, Hampton, Virginia, before before there. Those are the two places I lived before he moved us to, to Crestview, Florida. And I remember going out to the football team. This is in 1996. And I walked into the field house, and the field house was segregated. So, yeah, swear to God, in 96. Like, there was, uh, there was probably a group of about 20 black kids over here, and there was a group of about 35 white kids over here. Mm-hmm. It was fucking segregated. And I, so I didn't, I didn't realize, like, like you living in Phoenix, I didn't realize there was a thing here, like there was a divide. Yeah. So the first thing I did, I walked in the door, just so happened that the segregated black kids were closest to the door. I wanted to meet some new people. So I went up and talked to them and they just looked at me like, what do you think you're doing, dude? Why are you talking to us? Kind of thing. Yeah. Like didn't, there was no kindness from them at all. Didn't say a word to me. Like I tried to talk to a couple of them. So I was like, well, fuck. So I went over and started talking, you know, to the white kids and just very, very quickly realized like with my first day at football practice, like what the fuck? Yeah. Like there was no interaction between them. No, like, when you're on the practice field even, like a lot of times, even if that shit exists, like you can make your team work. Yeah. You know, no, no, that wasn't a thing. And like, I, dude, I remember I, like I went home crying that day. Like, I just told my mom, like, I got to get out of here. You got to set, you got to get me out of here. Yeah. You've got to fucking like, I will go, I will go back. And I had a really hard time, man, for like six months. If I ever went through it, like if I ever went through serious depression or anything like that, it was when I was in eighth grade. Like I, I remember every day, like on, the, on my way to school, I would beg my parents to like let me leave really like where did you move me like yeah. this shit <clears throat> I, I just couldn't believe it and i mean i think it still goes it still goes on oh yeah well what is are you saying that it, like it, the school facilitated segregation or you it's saying just it like, happened you saying it was like self it's just se- how it was yeah segregation. yeah no yeah. it wasn't the school because, saying like i'll say that the that black kids will sit over here and they will shower over here and the white kids will do when that I, when, it's just when i went to high school in atlanta I mean, I don't know how what other kind of word to say it, but I'd say like self segregate. Like, so they, I mean, I would assume almost like 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 a fucking prison yard. You see those those you know TV shows where they they just start kind of branching off. They just kind of you yeah, know. every groups. And that was that was how it was. Like that you had black kids over here, you had white kids over here, you had fucking Indians over here, Muslims over here, Mexicans over here, and Koreans over here, and it was like. I remember going in there being like, what the fuck? Yeah. Like, going in, like, the lunchroom. Be like, why is it not... I mean, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, and I remember actually being capable of being very fluid to go, like, through all these things. Because it was it was fear from each side. It was mm. fear from, like, oh, I don't want to fuck with the fucking triads. Like, oh, I don't want to fuck with all oh, those, like, gangster kids over here. All oh, those white kids are just going to fucking, you know, tie me up on their pickup truck kind of shit. Like, it was yeah. like, this fear from each of them. Which is which is totally weird, but I also think that comes from. You know, you talk about like bigger cities like you know like Nashville or Atlanta that are very diverse, but you get on those little suburbs, and the, that's where all that shit comes from. Mm. It, 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 it's you still have white neighborhoods, black neighborhoods, fucking Mexican neighborhoods, and it, it it's. It's a problem. I, I don't know how to fix that because I think that's where like most of these hate like that's. All those people who are in Charlottesville, it was I I I will try to find the the stat, but it was like eighty percent of them were not from Charlottesville. They yeah. Were all from yeah. You know, so it's just picking a from spot. Bumfuck nowhere. You know what I mean? And and coming in on these cities and and, and being horrible people. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know, man. I don't know how 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 you fix. I still think I still the thing is though. I think that I think that really only exists in the South though, because every other place I lived, I lived in Alaska. I lived in North Dakota. I lived, you know, D.C., Virginia, Michigan. That mm-hmm. wasn't a thing. That yeah. wasn't a thing. They, there was no self segregation. I mean, you're still gonna have your your black your black neighborhoods. You're gonna have your you know your ghettos and, and all that in every major city. In America, but it wasn't that it wasn't that way at the schools I went to. But maybe that's also because I was I also grew up in military schools mm-hmm. until I moved to Crestview. So that I, could well, have been a, from a like, portion of that as well. Even from Arizona, you still had the self segregation. I mean, you had like you still. <laughs> I I remember I used to get made not made fun of, but like made fun of by friends because uh, whenever I would go around my black crew. I'm like, hey, yo, what's good? Whatever. And then I go around my white crew and be like, all right, howdy doody, let's go. <laughs> you know, and like I just remember them always making fun of me. Like you always like change your like, you're kind of almost like your dialect depending on who you're around. But I like I remember those groups of people. You know, I'd walk into like there were there was a group of you know like you know a. I guess a black group, a white group, uh, more so a Yu-Gi-Oh group. Like, it was more set off. It wasn't, like, the Indians <laughs> and the Chinese. It was more of those, like, strange. But but at the end of the day, when you got into the locker room or when you, even at the in the cafeteria sometimes, everyone got together. And I never, ever, never realized... Uh, uh, segregation like that, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it was always, it was always just like who your friends and and honestly, sometimes you do feel like you can relate to that person because that person's like me. And when you're younger, you you don't think like we do now, where it's you know color is nothing. But back then, you know, that person just it, it just feel like I'd fit in more yeah. with them. You know, they like the same things. They're probably from the same neighborhood that I'm from and everything. And you know, we can't deny that it's still that's an issue of of the poverty levels and where the races, you know, where all these people that are, are in this, the poverty, whatever. And it's, it's unfortunate that it's still, you know, I, I do believe in the rich get richer and the poor get poorer because there, there's not as many, there's a way to get out of, out of that. There's a way to get out of the, the, um, the hood or to be able to become something successful, to be able to make it as another race. But I do feel like, for you to be born with a silver spoon in your mouth and that culture is just, you know what I mean, just <clears throat> been, you know, more so of the white side of, of having all that money, it's easier to to be able to have those advances. Just like in the music industry, all these people that have moms and dads that are musicians. Yep. And then they're all of a sudden, and none of them, I mean, not none of them, There's there's been some talented kids, but... A lot of the kids are not talented, as talented as their parents. But or their just brothers or being, sisters. being able to be in, just like starting there, you have a way to, to you know what I mean, improve. Um, I mean, I, I'll agree with that, but I, I think education is a, is a big part of that. And I think that a lot of these white races also come from poverty-stricken. You know, you don't come from the hood, but you come from the fucking trailer park. And those those little towns and bumfuck nowhere in the south are not getting the money for education as well. And so when you're when you're an idiot surrounded by idiots teaching idiots, I don't think there's a way to get out of that, you know. Uh, uh, or it, there's a way, but it's a lot harder, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, just because you're white, you've de- there's definitely white privilege. But I think a, a lot of these people also feel. 
oppressed or run down. They just don't know the outlet, or they don't. They're not educated enough to realize the reasons. It's because you're voting for these Republican pieces of shit that are. <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's what it is. It, it, it your money's not there. You're you're not getting the social needs that you need, and, and it's it's just creating a fucking vortex of hate and shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And no, and there's no right. What I'm what I'm meaning is that just that population. I feel like a lot of the the people that do have money, it just comes, it derives oh, from yeah. a time and place where no race except for pretty much the white race had a chance to really get get anywhere. So I'm just saying that being brought up and just like yeah. the music well, again, just saying it's just a, something that's. You know, from old times, you know, if you, you're just, if you're born with that ability to have those people that know those people, it's just a lot easier, but definitely oh. I get what you're saying, Shane. <clears throat> and, and man, I really like how that's, that's kind of come full circle because that was one of the last things I wanted to touch on uh, before we get here is, is, is a lot of these, a lot of these external factors people can also utilize as excuses to hold them back. Um, and that's one thing that's been so impressive. Uh, with you, Anthony, just getting to know you over the last few years, man. Um, a lot of, a lot of the way, um, that you grew up. I mean, you're, dude, you were very fortunate to have a good mom, mm. but you grew up in a single family home yeah. with a with in a in a family that was that was poor, mm. that you know that still took care of each other and did it. So, man, you have you had the excuse. I grew up without a without a father in my life. Yeah, you know, you have an excuse that you know you were of a mixed race. You know, and and it's really. That's been my favorite thing about you. There's there's several different ways to where I'm sure you've had to deal with discrimination, and a lot of people would just take that and they would use it as an excuse. But mm-hmm. you seem to do the exact opposite of it. You know, I, I'd I'd say you've somehow tapped into this to where you can you can take any of that. And I'm sure it probably doesn't happen anymore. Number one, because you're a fucking beast and you could kill him. You know, <laughs> uh, and 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 you're a grown up now, and you know you've you've come into your own. You know your talent. You know you have, you have a confidence about you. you have all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I mean, I, but I would also assume that you probably had to take some of that negativity and just done, you know, even though it's a cliche thing, taking this negativity and turn it into to positivity, you've done it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's you know? where all, a lot of my positivity comes from. I'm always I'm just a positive person yeah. in general, but you, you see what negativity can do to you. In negativity, like I can feel energy when I walk into a room. If someone's being negative or if someone is feeling, you know, down, whatever, and it's just like, just that feeling just dwells on you. And I've never wanted to be that person that that had depression or anything. So it's always think of the positives mm-hmm. of every situation. So yeah, I'd, I'd take, I guess you I can you can say I take all the negative and just like transpire it to being something positive. But I just. Um, and I know you, do, that. you don't allow yourself to be a victim either. I, I won't allow myself a to be a victim. A lot of people want people to feel sorry say, for them. I know a lot that of people, people want to feel like go victim. through way worse. And, you know, I was yeah. talking to your, you know, your best friend, Colt, one time, at, um, probably probably like a few months ago, and he was telling me longer than that, because he's going to be like, no, it was way longer than that. Um, <laughs> but he was telling me about a, a visit that he went to, and it was... Um, forgot what country it was, but it was one of those smaller, you know, poverty countries. And he was just saying... You don't realize it until you really see it of mm-hmm. what people are going through. Sorry, I took a drink of water. Um, you don't really realize it until you you know you know you see it. And so I know that what I went through, I still had an education. I still had so many privileges that so many people in this world don't get to have, and will never have, and will never understand. And like like I I wouldn't have understood Colt actually opened my eyes up a mm-hmm. lot to that when he was telling me about, you know, their living situation because 
I don't understand, you know, like, I don't get what people have to go through. I don't get that people have to go walk miles and miles to get water. And, you know, like, I, and now there's times where I'll turn on my water, and if it's on too long, I'm just like, oh, my gosh, I need to turn that off. And I'm just like, I feel so bad because someone else can't do, doesn't have that kind of luxury. So that kind of stuff definitely helps as well just to think of, of other people's lives. Yeah, you might be suffering right now, but... Remember, there's six billion, probably now seven billion other people out there that are there's someone out there that's suffering just as bad, if not worse, yeah. than you are. Absolutely. So just take it and and go with it. Because if you're gonna take the negative, how are you gonna move on from that? And that's I think a big problem with with any anybody is that you dwell on what's happening that's bad, and that makes you stop progressing it into fucks what's everything good. up it yeah can fuck everything yeah up. your mind you're just like and it, that's a hard thing to really get you to try to channel in the positive to be able to leave that out but that is a, a so perspective just to blanket it under one word would basically yeah. be perspective yeah yeah for sure um what is there is there anything um i, I know you got to go man when we're about an hour but is there anything that you could share with people of, of how you keep that perspective? Are there, I mean, are there exercises that you do? I mean, I know some people say meditation. I know some people, I mean, are you just naturally that way? Is it how your mom raised you? Yeah. Uh, like, I, it's honestly, I just have a, I just want people to be happy, I guess. And uh, that's the thing is if you put a, if I put a smile on my face, I know that when I go out in public and if someone smiles at me, cause it's rare, I don't know why people can't, fucking smile but I'm just like that puts that puts a smile on my face and that just makes me feel good because I know that person is they might not be having a good day there's been plenty of days that I've had that are not good days that I'll still smile because I know it's gonna make someone else you know feel good um that's just my motivation in life is is not only to make myself as good as I can be but to um be able to try to make an impact on someone else to make them go home and feel just as as satisfied and happy as as I'm feeling. You know, I want us all to be able to I guess I just went into my hippie form, but yeah. <laughs> I'm wanting us all to just, you know, feel that same way just to be able to to be happy about life and where you're at right now, no matter where yeah. it is. So I definitely just I don't know, just be considerate to others. That's my thing, is just like I think me wanting to make people happy has gotten me where I am. Today, yeah. with everything. I mean, with school, with, um, it sounds silly, but, you know, in education, like, there's so many things that my teachers allowed me to do that they didn't allow other students to do. And, like, even in, in high school, I didn't I didn't take language. Everyone was required two years of a language. I didn't have to take a, a physical education because as long as Anthony concentrated on his music and as long as he was good and and so like but that's it's all like I've noticed just because I've always been that way and I've always made people feel good and that's came back to me it's reciprocated people have made me feel good because of that and my success I will always say is because of of my relationship with other people yeah you know well man that that's a that's a really cool thing and also I mean that's uh I've I've been able to witness it several times with you being on the road. Um, sometimes I'm a little envious of it too, just because, uh, you know, my my job unfortunately requires me to be a dickhead to people sometimes. Yeah. And uh, you know, a lot of times, sometimes it's kind of fun, but a lot of times it's not. I don't I don't want to have to do 
uh, to do that kind of stuff. So it's also it's fun to see you be, being able to do that, um, you know, except for one time with the sound guy. You know, we won't, <laughs> won't even go there. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, man, dude, I, I know you got to go. But uh, really quick before before you do, yes, um, is there, man, is there anything new coming up that you want to talk about? Or I mean, how can these people, how can these people find you if they want to if they want to know more about you? Yeah, um, well, social media is everything. Uh, no, um, look up the band first and foremost, Continuum. Um, and we have all of our schedule, because I know we talked a lot about Continuum. We have a lot of our schedule on there. Um, as well as everything else, if you guys want to kind of hear the sound that we were talking about. It's changed a lot, but good stuff. Um, and also, Anthony O'Shea, O, apostrophe, S-H-A-E. But yeah, I mean, Facebook, and I love, and that's the thing, is I, I what we've talked about today, and I knew it was going to be like this, is what I try to get across on Facebook a lot, is just to inspire and try mm-hmm. to stay positive um, most of the time. You know, sometimes I'll do some kind of post, but I mean, um, uh, the Facebook page and in the Instagram, I mean... What's Instagram. your Instagram? If you want to see my body and everything, you can go to Instagram. <laughs> it's all Anthony O'Shea. Everything is Anthony and then O-S-H-A-E again um, for all of those. And Snapchat. And uh, and also there's uh, just a little bit to piggyback on on the continuum thing. There's a little, there's some, there's some new stuff getting ready to, to come out too. Yes. Uh, yeah. Anthony's about to hit y'all in the fucking face. Yes. Um, so that's definitely, if there's a time to find us, it is now continuum again to use an M. Well, sweet, man. Thanks for thanks for swinging by. I know it's kind of early, middle of the day thing, but uh, have fun at rehearsal, man. And, Appreciate uh, it. Yeah, thanks, dude. Thank you. Sure we'll talk again soon, man. Take it easy, guys.